The talk you are about to hear is by Three Jewels Zen priest Hanya Kalaha. Um, today is Tuesday the 13th of November and um, I'll be giving the Dharma talk exploring what belonging means in a, in a Buddhist context. In the talk, I'll refer to an article, article on loneliness by Pema Chodron, who is an American Tibetan Buddhist nun, um, and she was born in 1936 and is still currently practicing over in America and teaching there. And a book by Saravanda, who's ordained in the Taratna tradition in 1987, and he's in the UK, and his title is called Solitude and Loneliness. So looking at the two titles of those books, you can see the flip of belonging is, is um, the other side of belonging can be seen of, of not belonging or, or a feeling of not part of or, or, or lonely, alone. So in looking at how we belong in a Buddhist context, I found, context, I found it helpful to go back to the th three characteristics of existence. And um, the three characteristics of existence are sort of the basis of Buddhism and all Buddhist teachings. And they are, they are that it's, um, things are impermanent, that there's unsatisfactoriness or suffering or what they call dukkha, and non-self, anatta. Now what um, Saravanda wrote, uh, writes on Dukkha, he said the first link on this spiral path of Dukkha, the fact of our essential separate selfhood, awareness of Dukkha which involves among other things a courageous acknowledgement of our aloneness is the launching pad for the Buddhist journey. So here, Saravanda, he's referring when he said the first link on the spiral path is Dukkha, is also in the Four Noble Truths. The first path is acknowledging that there is suffering in the world. And he puts out this tendency we have to see ourselves as having a separate self. And that a self, in a separate self is a source of suffering, which can be expressed as a feeling of complete and utter aloneness. Some of us may be drawn to Buddhist community because of the feeling of isolation and aloneness and at most of the introductory workshops that we have at the centre here there are usually about two or three people in the workshop that say they come to the centre um, as meditators already but in, the, in wanting a sense of community around their practice. And also for some of us when we start our journey in meditation it can make us feel more lonely as we tread the path inward. In Pema Chodron's words, she says, usually we regard loneliness as an enemy. Heartache is not something we want to choose to invite in. It's restless and pregnant and hot with a desire to escape and find something or someone to keep us company. When we can rest in the middle, we begin to have a non-threatening relationship with loneliness, a relaxing 
cooling loneliness that completely turns our useful our usual pattern, fearful patterns, upside down. So when Pema Chodron talks about this calling loneliness, she's, she's referring to really being okay with. Pema Chodron is not asking us to push away the feeling or judge it, but to just to be with it. If we can't relate to feelings of being alone, Buddhism can certainly help us point it out. Saravanda writes, Buddhism asks us to let go of our habitual distractions and addictions and foster a capacity to be alone. We begin to experience the discomfort as growing pains. But this isn't necessarily a problem. It's as if we're detoxing going against our habitual addictive patterns and if we practice effectively then we begin to find that this sense of aloneness comes more and more bracing and refreshing. Samsara is a cyclic way of being in which our isolation is actually perpetuated by the mistaken belief that it be, can remo be removed by grasping at comfort, happiness and security outside ourselves. The Buddha taught that we must cease to yearn for happiness outside ourselves and begin to trust the potential for nirvana that lies within us. The journey from samsara towards nirvana involves a passionate and deepening desire for a certain kind of self-sufficiency. When we read of the lives of various Buddhist saints and teachers, it is often the self-sufficiency that we are struck by. These teachers, hermits and yogis are no longer yearning for comfort, pleasure and security from the outside world. When Buddha was dying, he said to his disciples, to be islands unto ourselves or yourselves, refuge unto yourselves, seeking no refuge, no external refuge, with the Dharma as your island, the Dharma is your refuge, seeking no other refuge. So the Dharma here is talking about the teachings of Buddhism, or, or Buddha's teachings. The characteristics of existence of non-self denies that there is anything called a self in any person or in, in anything else. So I looked at ways of trying to understand this non-self and it drew me back to the characteristics of existence and, and looking at impermanence. So impermanence referred to all conditioned things are in constant change. Therefore the self which refer, we refer to is not permanent fixed it changes constantly so we can see this you know as we sit and we see all the changes coming and going and and um, other things in our life that are, that are in constant flux but there's also the other side we know I am here and you're there 
which is the relative truth. But also there is no self, which is the absolute truth. So how do these sit together? So in the Heart Sutra, which we've just chanted, it says, Emptiness is no other than form, and form is no other than emptiness. So from this point of absolute or emptiness, no self, form comes into existence. In form, emptiness is held. Saravanda describes this. Buddhist practice is aimed at going beyond this, fixed, this belief in a fixed self and moving towards egolessness, towards a state of mind in which we are at ease with the ever-changing dynamic nature of reality. And when Pema Chodron talks about it, she says, by turning inwards in meditation, it gives, gives us a great opportunity to experience belonging. And when she refers to this belonging, she was referring to the absolute, which is much bigger than belonging to a family or a local community. It gives us a chance to experience of being part of a not separate form. We don't hear much about how painful it is to go through from being completely stuck to becoming unstuck. So it's sort of recognise that that process of becoming unstuck requires tremendous bravery. Because basically we're completely changing our way of perceiving reality, like changing our DNA. So in meditation, it provides us a way to train in the middle way and staying right on the spot. We're encouraged not to judge whatever arises in the mind. In fact, we're encouraged to not even grasp whatever arises in our mind. We usually call, what we usually call good or bad, we simply acknowledge as thinking. Without the usual drama that goes along with right and wrong. And I've certainly found it in my own practice, if I get caught, caught in thoughts, just using that word thinking, that label, it just allows it to drop and the story's not to continue. We're instructed to let the thoughts come and go as if touching a bubble with a feather. This straightforward discipline prepares us to stop struggling and to discover a fresh, unbiased state of being. The experience of certain feelings can particularly pregnate with desire for resolution, loneliness, boredom and anxiety. Unless we can relax with these feelings, it's very hard to stay in the middle when we experience them. It's like we, we either want to be victorious over them or, or we feel defeated. So praise or blame. For example, if someone abandons us and we don't want to be with that raw discomfort, 
Instead, we conjure up a familiar identity of ourselves as a hapless victim. Or maybe we avoid the rawness by acting out and righteously telling the person how messed up he or she is. We automatically want to cover over the pain in one way or another, identifying, identifying with this being a victory, a victory over someone or, or defeating ourselves, a victim, being a victim of it. So when we rest in the stillness, we can begin to realise too that our feelings of essential aloneness is a shared human condition. sort of a paradox in that in that realization lies a true sense of connection with others. As a poet Hafiz put it, don't surrender your loneliness so quickly. Let it cut more deeply. Let it ferment and season you as few human or even divine ingredients can. And then if we just look at the, what Pema Chodron called this cool loneliness. So it's just sort of some of the, the um, I don't know whether you'd call them sort of traits or things that, that we go through in, um, in meditation that help us in being with this cool loneliness. One is this an, an avoiding unnecessary activity. So it's really like checking in with yourself. You know, am I running away or, or can I be just with myself today? So it's sort of, you know, looking at, at your, your day as you go through of, of, is there a feeling of like, sometimes it feels like an, I, I have this like feeling of urgency that I've just got to get away somewhere or, or um, something that you, that you know instinctively that you're trying to get away from an internal emotion that's going on. And when you're sitting, not getting caught up with your own thoughts, sort of allowing them to come and go. And one thing that I find helpful for myself for this is reminding myself to always keep the back door open. So the thoughts can arise, but I'm to help myself not get stuck with them. It's, it's keeping that back door open. This next one I found quite hard is, is contentment. It's the inner contentment to be with yourself. The feeling of being enough. Instead of getting stuck or sucked into thoughts and feelings, you can observe the mind that will do anything to be distracted more easily. And there's quite a lot in this word contentment. It's, it's, and in saying it's being content with yourself, there's many stories that, that we see as we sit that arise about who we think we are. And the, the other part that's required is, is definitely effort and discipline. 
It's really showing up for yourself. It's setting time to practice without distractions. So setting up that regular practice of meditation, reflection or just doing nothing. And another part along this journey that, that um, we can see in, in others is it's sort of like a renunciation. It's letting go of those unnecessary things. It's the practice of simplifying our life. So we can develop a greater appreciation and enjoyment of the things we do. I'm sure we've all sort of experienced in times in our life when we start accumulating things that it, it certainly can get very complex. Our lives can get a lot more complex. And Savananda talks about courage. And he said courage is not about not experiencing fear. It's about not running away from it. Fear can arise from the depths of our being without having no obvious source. Just to experience the fear without running from it or investigating it. We just let it come and go. This can be a very valuable practice, though quite difficult. Our ten tendency is to demand that the fear have a source or a hook so that we can see it, solve it, and control it. And the last ones here, the last one that, that um, is very valuable is to be able to love more deeply. Buddhism challenges us to train ourselves to be more and more at ease in our own company. So what do we do with this overcritical voice which is constantly telling us that we don't come up to scratch, that we must do better, or they're never quite good enough, or that there's even something wrong with us? If we respond with harshness, it just seems to make it worse. If we take another tact of, of being more kind and even amused, this awareness is, is, can be helpful to be the way out or forward. This is a wonderful poem on loving deeply by Derek Walcott. Love after love. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself. To the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you have ignored for another, 
who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Feast on your life. A solitude to sit with ourselves can be hard to come by, you know, just finding the time. And um, I've noticed more recently during the term intensives at the centre here that, that people are, as one of their tasks, is to be not doing. So it's like reclaiming that time that, that's eaten up with social activities and many distractions. You know, it, it does require um, effort. The Buddha exhorted his disciples to be lamps unto themselves. We are born alone. We die alone. We are responsible for our own actions and for our own spiritual development. But as well as being essentially alone, we've also discussed how we are essentially related, that interconnectedness. The Absolute. The Buddhist life is impossible without teachers, guides and support who help us along this journey. It's like we need to develop the kind of bracing relationships which we're able to experience ourselves as separate yet connected. There is something to be said about love thyself, then you can love others. As we meditate deeply, we begin to see that we're all made of the same stardust. I just want to do an exercise now. Um, I think we can all do it together. So I just want you to sit and just connect up with your breath. And allow any thoughts that may be coming and going, just let them go through the back door. And then I would just want you to reflect on these words. I do not belong. And just feel what arises. Might be a sensation, memory, an emotion. Just feel it without adding anything to it. Allowing it to rise and allow it to pass.
And I want you to reflect on these next two words. I belong. Breath can sometimes be quite helpful if, if it's a strong emotion or, or a strong sensation to help it keep moving. Now the next one is, I want you to drop the eye and feel what arises when you sit with belonging. I just want to ask if anyone wants to share what they've experienced with those three words or three sort of phrases, little couple of words. Any differences between them? I had a very strong feeling for the first the first group of words, I do not belong. It just came to me as something completely ridiculous. Impossible. It mm -hmm. makes no sense uh -huh. whatsoever. The other words, I just felt more comfortable with. I didn't feel anything particular about it. So no difference between I belong and belonging? Belonging was deeper. Like even the breath itself is part of belonging. The whole planet. Yeah. Anyone else? So it's the same, same kind of response, more or less. Same? I didn't have a strong response for the first one. But, but mm. just the, the, gen, the last one, obviously, when you take away the pronoun, that makes, that makes it much wider. Yeah. 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 I had a strong reaction to the, to the first one. A feeling of um, familiarity with that emotion and familiarity with it and the feeling of awkwardness and like one is intruding, like one has no right to be there. And I thought, oh, just, I felt a, a sympathy for 
people who are stuck in that that space because I think a lot of people feel that yeah. often. They feel like they don't have a right in uh, social circumstances, a right to, yeah. Mm. So a lot of sympathy for people who are always in that space. Mm. I know a time in, in my life um, where I do not belong was quite strong. It was actually when I first came to the centre here, the Auckland Zen Centre, and I'd just come from a, um, a long-term relationship that had um, ended. So my um, self-esteem was quite low. And so with that, it had that feeling that, that you're talking about, just you know, very much isolated even in the amongst of people who were so friendly. You know, when I came to the Zen Centre here, people were you know, very warm and very welcome, welcoming. But I had this very deep, and all I can describe it was like a gut-wrenching feeling, you know, deep in my gut, that... Um, took time, time and, and very grateful for this practice here, to, to have that time to, to allow it to, to move, really move through the three of those places for me, from, from I do not belong, to I belong, to finally sitting in that belonging, which, which as um, Peter described, is such a, a bigger opening in, 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 your, in my heart. Really. I just, um, is, is there any other comments people would like to put in their experience that we wrap up? Okay, so I'd just like to um, finish with a quote from, let's hope I pronounce this right, Zhang Zhai who was a Chinese Neo-Confucianism moral philosopher and cosmologist who was born in 1020. And Zhang Zhai expresses the wonderful sense of belonging we have with the universe. Or these, these days it's possibly universes. <laughs> it also points strongly to our, our true nature. You know, nothing separate or outside. And he says, Heaven is my father, and earth is my mother. And even such a small creature as I finds an intimate place in this midst. Therefore that which extends throughout the universe I regard as my body, and that which directs the universe I consider as my nature. All the people are my brothers and sisters, and all the things are my companions. I'd like to finish there and recite the four vows. Om.
all beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions, I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure, I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha, I vow to attain all beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions, I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure, I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha, I vow to attain all beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions, I vow to uproot Dharma gates beyond measure, I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha, I vow to attain. The teaching you have received is offered freely. If you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit www.aucklandzen.org.nz.